Welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast, where powerful women are interviewed every week to share real inspiring stories and incredible insight to help women or anyone break the barriers, be a part of innovation, shatter the glass ceiling, and dominate to the top of their sport, industry, or life's mission. Join us as we celebrate exceptional women and step into our power. And now, here's your host, Angela Gennari. Hello, and welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are here with Heidi Johnson. Thank you so much for joining us, Heidi. Thank you, Angela, for having me. It's really fun to be here. Awesome. So I want to introduce Heidi because she's going to have so much great information for our audience today. So Heidi Johnson is a nonprofit founder, a storyteller, and a believer in good. I love that so much. She uses the power of connection to bring people together for a purpose greater than themselves through her vast work in the nonprofit sector. For the past decade, she has communicated powerful stories to inspire others to serve and give through her blog and podcast, Charity Matters. As the executive director of the nonprofit TASC, a Catholic youth leadership organization, she has the privilege of planting that seed of compassion in over 3,000 students a year while revitalizing, rebranding, and rebuilding a 40-year-old nonprofit organization. Heidi co-founded the nonprofit, the Spiritual Care Guild at CHLA, to provide chaplains of all faiths for patients and families. Today, she currently serves as a trustee at Children's Hospital Los Angeles and on the hospital's Spiritual Care Advisory Board. A strong believer in education, Heidi currently serves on the Chancellor's Advisory Council at Texas Christian University and Loyola Marymount University's Board of Visitors School of Education. She has served in multiple leadership roles in a number of Catholic schools and nonprofit organizations. Heidi is the proud recipient of the Cornelian Award and recognized as a First Lady of Urban Compass, all in recognition of service. An alumni of USC, her and she and her husband, Ron, are the proud parents of three sons. Oh, I love being a boy mom. Isn't it so much fun? I love being a boy mom. It's the best. It's the best. best. (laughs) Nothing better. Mm -hmm. I must have done something really right because um, if I would have had a girl who had my attitude, I don't know what I would have done. (laughs) I don't think I could have handled it either. (laughs) Cheers to the girl moms Mm -hmm. out there because they get special, special love, special love. For sure. So tell me what drew you into the nonprofit sector. Well, it's it's a little bit of a, a long story. I'll try to keep it That's as short okay. as possible. But when I was um, I was in sales and marketing my whole life in the software business and mm-hmm. had a, a big career um, working in distribution and sales and marketing. And when I was 35, I had three little boys, teeny tiny little ones, mm-hmm. and was consulting and um I got that phone call in the middle of the night that changes your life and changes everything. Mm. My parents um, and all of their friends, four couples, were on vacation in Mexico and were in a horrible car accident. They were hit <gasps> by a bus, and every couple oh. lost a spouse. My mom was killed instantly, my parents' best friends, and my dad was in a coma. And um, my dad, wow. um, it just, it, 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 it just, sucks oxygen right out of the room and out of me every time I tell the story, even 20 years later. And so it happened in 2002. And so um, in 2003, a year later, oh, my father went home. And I need to say this, my father went home from the hospital. 
healthy and we were spinning this morning. So I want you to know my 84 year old dad is really, is fantastic and is great, but I did lose my, I did lose my mom and, um, thank you. And, uh, a year later, almost to the day, um, a friend of ours who was went to high school with my husband, but turned out to be a priest, Mm -hmm. um, called and said, Hey, will you come down to children's hospital, Los Angeles? I'm the only chaplain here. And we have 300,000 kids a year and our nurses and our doctors are busy doing healthcare. They can't do, you know, spiritual care, which is not converting, but just be there to give someone faith in a time of trauma. And I had just endured this with my dad for a month while he was in a coma, not knowing if I was going to lose both parents. Mm-hmm. So I understood what he was trying to provide for families because that's all I needed in that time um, that we, that everything was so crazy in our, in our lives. So yeah, I went down and he, we brought a bunch of friends and um, uh, I have to just back her a little bit. My father ended up going home from the hospital, the accident Thanksgiving day of the year of their accident. And this was oh. almost about, um, Thanksgiving when I was called to go back a year later to CHLA and um, I'm at Children's Hospital and uh, on this tour with my friends and we see this woman and um, she's rushing through the with her son in a wheelchair and she's father john father john guess what guess what my son my son she's whoa, 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 whoa hold on hold on I have uh-huh. all my friends here so she tells us her story and in, in a nutshell she was a single mom moved to LA her son was run over and drop off at wow. school and they were hella back into CHLA and she had no family or anyone to be there for that month um, that she was in the hospital. And Father John was her only emotional lifeline. And he came every single day and she wow. looks at all of us and she says, Father John, he's going home on Thanksgiving Day. Wow. And it was the same day my dad had gone home. And I knew in that moment my life was changed forever. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right, John, what do you need? Um, I don't know how to start a nonprofit. I don't know how to start a business, but let's, let's roll up our sleeves and let's do this. And so right then and there, we formed the spiritual care guild and, um, and we started a nonprofit and, and here we are 20 years later with a $10 million interfaith center, 37 chaplains of all faith religions. I don't even know what they are, Angela. I mean, we have, Mm -hmm. we have, and, and our chaplains are part of the medical team. So they do rounds with the doctors. They support the nurses and the doctors, um, they support the families, the patients, and we've changed a culture of a hundred-year-old hospital. Wow! Um, so it it was something beautiful did come out of this incredible yeah. loss, and it changed my life just in so many different crazy ways. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, good, bad. You know, it's bitter, bittersweet because you know you lose your mother, but at the same time, you find your calling that right. can help so many other people. So wow, right. that's just an incredible story. Wow. Um, yeah. So so okay. So after you lose your mom and you and you, right. you start down this this path, um, what is your father thinking about this? Is he thinking you know this is what you're meant to do? You know, I think everybody saw but me at the time and I and and I you know I think that whenever you're on the right path whether it's nonprofit or any business the doors keep opening when you're going the right way right the doors just open and Mm -hmm. you can't explain the crazy things that happen and Mm -hmm. and the doors just kept opening we had Mm -hmm. so many um miraculous crazy wild unexplainable things that happened um that made the work it wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination but um that made it happen and uh 
And it was just it was just an incredible mm. experience to me. I think of it. Of course, there was so many people that helped to do this. No founder does anything alone. No. Um, we were we had a, a, you know ten of us that that did this, and it was just and hundred women that joined, and it was incredible. Um, talk about the power of women. I mean, in community, yeah. just made this happen. But I think that um, it really, to me, was um, taking you know lemons and making lemonade exactly yeah. to point of bittersweet, and and making to my personal legacy. It isn't my mother's legacy; it's a legacy for the hospital. But it feels like that to me, and mm. it makes me. If if this is what came out of that loss, that there's chaplains for all of eternity, it's children's hospital for these families, then that just gives me a lot of peace. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a great way to honor your mother's memory too. So good for you. So you have spent so much time building in the nonprofit sector and not only your organization, but also helping others. Um, so yeah. where where does your drive and your inspiration come from with with, you know, constantly getting out there and just doing this work and building your own organization and helping other people build theirs? Like, where do you where do you find that inspiration? You know, I think um when you we get paid in the nonprofit space in such different ways. Yeah. Um, when you have a family that lost a child and says, thank you for ha- providing someone on this journey with us. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for being there for our family. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for changing, you know, our life. Or when you have a, 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 a just a moment where you realize you're some tiny cog and some really big picture of something that you lent a hand it's kind of addictive like you just feel like it you have such an incredible experience that you you want more and it fuels Mm -hmm. you to want to help more people and I know there's an actual serotonin that is actually released from your brain when you help people right and and I think I'm kind of not a crack addict but I think I'm a little bit of a you know as helpers we get we get hooked on helping and so it just drives us and then, as you know, in any business, opportunities just keep coming to you, right? Yeah. People keep presenting you things. And sometimes you can, you know, I've, I've gotten better as I get older of saying no, but mm, um, yeah, but some things you just, you just can't, right? You just can't. Right. right. Oh gosh. Okay. So, okay. So what a powerful story. And I'm just still kind of hanging on to that because they're just, there's not very many moments when it, it hits you that this is exactly what you're supposed to be doing in your life. And, and, exactly. and you're right. I feel like the universe conspires to give you what you want when it's, when it's exactly, you know, on the right path of, of your destiny. So um, 100%. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. So tell me about starting your business and the the journey or the nonprofit, you know, did you have any obstacles in building that? Tell me about so, things that you yeah, had. Yeah. Well, when we were starting spiritual care, um, you know, the doors opened or at the beginning, the doors were opening and everything sure, was easy. And it's just like most, you know, the early part of any journey, right? It just feels like you got a spring yeah. in your step and it's good. And mm-hmm. when you start walking a little longer, the, the load gets a little heavier and a little harder and you run into a little more um, obstacles along the way, which is, mm-hmm. of course, what happened. I think, you know, for us, we had, um, we were dealing with, hospitals are very um, 
political places mm -hmm. and where funding and donors money gets navigated into different knee areas of need. And some people say, oh, no, this is money's going to orthopedics or this is going to this. And so there's a lot of things that kind of happen there that were a little um, when we were starting spiritual care, we were all 100 percent volunteers. So mm. we're fighting these battles or challenges or learning and navigating through some political landscapes and trying to change a culture of, you know, of a place that's been around doing good for a very long time that I'm course, a huge yeah. super fan of. But um, there was there was a lot of um, political hurdles to mm -hmm. overcome. And part of it at the time, they're building a new hospital at CHLA and mm -hmm. doctors um, are really smart and they are obviously like trying to get more real estate for their orthopedic space or their brain center or any space. And chaplains didn't even think to ask for a space in the new building. So oh, they built a whole no. new building. <laughs> <laughs> without a place for the chaplains because the right. chaplains didn't even think to ask because there's no right. chaplains. Uh -huh. So all of a sudden the building's built and we have to kind of go back and say, hey, did you guys forget about us? <laughs> all the chaplains, remember those people? So they're like, oh That's gosh, what are we going to do? And so uh -huh. that became another challenge um, in itself and trying to find the real estate in a new building mm -hmm. um, and, and ultimately uh, to build our interface center, which ultimately... McDonald's decided that it wasn't maybe the right fit for the hospital because it wasn't as maybe as healthy as it should be potentially, right. and so McDonald's left and and our and our um, interfaith center went in. All right, but Good. yeah, so there's a happy ending, but we definitely had a couple challenges challenges um, mm -hmm. with starting with with some of those things, but it all it's all great now. Oh, good. I'm happy to hear that. I have a funny story about a chaplain. I actually not it wasn't funny at the time, but I had um. My son, when he was a little younger, was riding his bike and, you know, boys and bikes and ramping things. And, and yep. so anyway, he ended up coming down. He fell and he fell right on top of his bike and the brake, um, the, the brake handle thing went into his chest oh and my punctured his chest. And so, of course, you know, we immediately rush him out to urgent care. Urgent care says we don't have the right equipment to see if this is punctured his lung or not. You've got to go to Children's. So we went to Children's Hospital. And um, as soon as we got there, they, you know, they rushed us into a room and it was all a little bit scary, but we just thought, okay, it's, it's kind of a, it's a hole in his chest, but nothing bad is happening. Like we, and this is awful to say, but we actually, he was saying he was so hungry. He's like, I'm so hungry. I didn't eat dinner yet. And so we actually stopped for Chick-fil-A on the way to children's. <laughs> <laughs> That's something I would have done. <laughs> we get there and they're, uh, and we're like, well, you know, he, he's got some food. He's like, they were like, did you stop for food? <laughs> I love that. Well, he was hungry. <laughs> So we get in there and now it gets scary for him because again, we didn't really think it was anything really serious. And so we, we get into this room and this room looks like a little surgery room. They've got these big fancy lights and the doctor comes in and he looks at this hole in my son's chest. And then as he's looking and, and my son started getting scared then because the room was scary, not anything right. else, but right. the room right. was scary. And then, but my, you know, uh, his dad and I were okay. And then we, and then all of a sudden the chaplain walked in and I'm like, 
oh my gosh, Uh-oh. is this really bad? Like, because, uh, you know, <laughs> you think of the chaplain right. as right. like, you, think, you know, right, this is just the end. This right. is you the end, right? right. <laughs> And so right. that's when I started freaking out. Like, oh my God, what are you doing? Here? <laughs> they get that reaction kind of regularly. Yeah. But yeah. So, but he, he was just there to calm everything down and he, he was wonderful. But, oh. but it was, I usually was okay they are. Until the chaplain walked in the room and then I'm like, oh. yeah. They're, they're pretty remarkable. They're pretty remarkable humans. I will say yes, that they are pretty yes. remarkable people. Yeah, but I mean, it was a very calming presence in a yes. in a not so calm environment, and so. that's what they're supposed to be doing is just yes. listening and mm-hmm. helping and guiding, and because nurses just don't have the bandwidth to do that yeah. anymore. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're special. So, they have so much going on, and you know, exactly. they're they're focused on your care and not necessarily, you know, obviously. I mean, nurses are amazing. What they amazing. Do. But, uh, angels yeah, on earth absolutely for sure. they're amazing but you know we can't expect them to to be there for us mentally and physically i mean there's exactly. only so much that you can right. do right and 100%. so you want to be you want to give great care but at the same time you need to be focused on you know getting somebody well and and exactly know. exactly well, that's amazing. Well, good for you. I think that's such an amazing I'm going to think service. about Chick-fil-A next time I, I see my chaplains. <laughs> Do the parents come up with Chick-fil-A? Because those lines can be really long. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> see, they should put that in the hospital. <laughs> exactly, no McDonald's with Chick-fil-A. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. So uh, Parents oh of God. the Year Award right here. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so tell me a little bit more about, you know, as you're starting your business and you're overcoming some obstacles and you're kind of trying to figure it out, did you find that, you know, working in the hospital environment, you know, you're you're in a nonprofit sector, you've come from corporate, you know, tell right. me about some of the vast differences that you have found from nonprofit to corporate, because then there's so many people who want to start a nonprofit. They have corporate You experience. know, right. We have 1.6 million nonprofits in the United States. Wow, so we really? have a lot of nonprofits. And here in Los Angeles, you know, we have about 50,000. I mean, there's so wow. many nonprofits. So people always ask me, how do you start a nonprofit? I'm like, well, I can tell you, but do you, why do you look at your competition like any business before yeah, you open sure. one? What, what, somebody may be doing what you want to do, maybe there's a good yeah. chance they probably are. Maybe yeah. you can help them. Um, but so for us, you know, we, um, the hospital is really brilliant and that they, some hospitals have. Um, support groups that uh, operate under their own 501c3 under the hospital's nonprofit. But Children's Hospital Los Angeles doesn't. They actually, you have your own nonprofit. So if we wanted to go and open spiritual care at other hospitals all over the country, we could. Um, So that was actually really great. And the hospital did our taxes, which was great. But other than that, that was it. Really? No stamps, no Mm -hmm. envelopes, no nothing. (laughs) No nothing. So, Uh you know, we were um, like any entrepreneur just trying to like build community, build connection, build Mm -hmm. your audience. It's the same process. Interesting. In any business that you're building, you know, your audience and your community. But we were a group of 10 women and we said, okay, let's everyone come to the table with 20 names. Um, Can't be the same 20. We're going to invite them to a a breakfast that we can't pay for, but we're going to put it at someone's (laughs) club that will float the bill for the month. Hopefully we can pay for it. And, you know, we invited 200 women, 100 came, 100 joined. And we were off to the races. Um, And so really, you know, we had um, phenomenal women volunteers. We're a 100% volunteer organization. We still are. And um, and five years into running it, and my husband always says, and this is just his 
you know, MBA business strategy, right. everything you <laughs> enter except a marriage, except a marriage uh-huh. should have an exit strategy. Oh, everything. Good. Yeah. Every business you buy, every home you buy, every job mm-hmm. you take, when are you leaving? So when I started this, he asked me my exit strategy when we hmm. started. And and I guess it was good in a way because in my mind, I said, you know, I think it's going to take five years to build this. And in yeah. five years, I said, okay, I think we've accomplished the goals that I had set out. And and other people had, you know, had had were taking over some leadership roles and I was slowly trying to step back. And so I thought, okay, this this is my baby. Spiritual care is my baby, and it's going to kindergarten. It's five, and yeah. it's gonna thrive and run. And if I smother it with nonprofits, founder syndrome is a real thing. Really? Um, you know, it's like I'm not saying like Martha Stewart's magazine or Martha Stewart or Oprah's magazine. I'm not saying, you know, Heidi and spiritual care, but people lose the separation of the person mm-hmm. and the cause. Oh, and if you stay too long, it becomes about the person. Mm. And and if you wanted to keep going, it needs to be about the cause. So very interesting. I just kind of, so that's just kind of what. Um, so I kind of set that up, and everyone was super supportive, and it was really great. And at the time, I also had become fascinated with this is before CNN Heroes, this is before People Magazine Heroes Among Us. This yeah. was you know two thousand. I don't even know. It was eleven years ago or so. Twelve. Um, I was like, who are these people starting these nonprofits? Yeah. Who are these entrepreneurs? Kind of like you with your podcast, Angel, like who are these other women that are, you know, out here doing this work? You want to find your tribe, right? And right. so I was like, I gotta find these women and I gotta, I gotta figure out who they are. And and I want to start telling their stories. And podcast didn't exist. And I said, I think I'm gonna start a blog. I wrote it actually, I wrote a TV show first. And then my husband, I said, Do you think I'm crazy? And he says, Everything you do, you just do. So no, I don't that's, think you're crazy. That's very LA of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, 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 yeah. And 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 that's a whole other story because CBS did buy it, and there's oh, a whole awesome. story with that. But that's a no, whole other. I think Oprah. that's fantastic. That's a whole it. other story. Um, and then I said, but I'm gonna. What about this blog? He goes, now I think you're crazy because your tech skills are really not great. I don't oh, think you no. should do, do that. But so I started interviewing nonprofit founders, you know, 12 yeah. years ago, and telling their stories through the blog, and then ultimately through the podcast, and. And then in the process of doing that, which I still do, and it's my joy to just meet other women, you know, like you that are just doing amazing work, that I um, I got picked by this nonprofit. I knew all these people, and they I was involved, you know, with other organizations that I was still supporting, yeah. and they said, hey, we're started by a nun. She's retiring. She's in ill health. Can you help us? And I just built a new house, right? Spiritual care is a brand new house. Yeah. And then here's remodeling an old house task, uh-huh. which is this, you know, youth leadership organization. And I thought, God, if anyone's ever built a new house versus remodeling, remodeling is so much harder. Oh, yeah. Because... 100%. And usually costs you more. <laughs> it does, right? Because uh-huh. you've got to keep the soul. You've got to keep mm-hmm. the character. You've got to keep yeah. the ethos. It's just everything. And you're working it. with what you have. You're working with the bones and the structure yeah. of what you have, right? right? And so you have to get creative about how to fit new ideas into old spaces. And it's really hard. So mm-hmm. um, I said, my husband said, hey, this is going to pay you. This sounds like a really great idea. Hey. Go to college <laughs> you know it. Right. So uh, 10 years ago, I said, all right, I'll, I'll take on this task thing. And I thought, oh, it's just going to be five years. I'll turn it around. And in five years, we had 
completely transformed it and and we're Fantastic. thriving. We were serving 300 kids a year when I started. We have two and a half employees. We're really tiny um, in the nonprofit world. Um, you know, we're under a, under a million dollar budget. And so um, we're little in the nonprofit space, but we're mighty because we serve a lot of a lot of kids. So anyway, yeah. I did that. And then I just continued with Charity Matters. Um, and so I've just kind of been doing doing both and task. I, I thought I was going to exit task. I thought, okay, yeah. I'm there. And the pandemic hits, right? Oh, yeah. Gosh. And so then I'm like, and I didn't like officially say I was leaving, but I was thinking, okay, I'm in a good place. But then it's like all, you know, everything just to survive. Yeah. And now it feels like we're rebuilding again. And it's really exciting. We had our 40th anniversary just a couple months ago. And it's really that's exciting. Awesome. So, so that's kind of my crazy journey, but that's the very long answer. How everything yeah, got to nonprofit, right? How quickly things shift. Wow. I, well, that's amazing. I mean, what a huge, huge um, undertaking that is to take on another nonprofit. While you're still, <laughs> you know, you still have, you know, your hand over in the other one, making sure yeah. things are going well. Yeah. And, I mean, that's yeah. just huge. Well, good for yeah. you. And I love that you're telling people's stories because that's the one thing, you know, when I was starting this podcast, it was really about like, why are we not celebrating women who are out there doing incredible things? Amen. And the, the really cool thing about the podcast that I have come to learn is that I have as many male subscribers as female subscribers. Oh, we're not talking about female topics. You know, we're not on here every day talking about things that only impact women. I mean, every single topic, a woman is out there doing something incredible that impacts everybody, you know, right. and so, so right. just featuring their I stories. love that. But, you know, I think women giving women a voice to tell their story and to tell, you know, what it is that that they're overcoming and how they're you know, how they're building. I think that's just so important. And so well, and I think I it's agree great with that you. everybody's listening. Well, and I think that people, I mean, for me, I think with the stories is that I don't know about how you feel, but I felt like the world is paying attention to the wrong people sometimes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I just, I would love to see a shift in goodness and a yeah. shift toward kindness and a shift toward focusing on the positive and, and you celebrate women doing positive things every day mm -hmm. and tell those stories. And the people who listen to you are craving something positive and they right. want it to be yeah. inspired. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I feel like our audience at Charity Matters is the same. Yep. It's not necessarily a nonprofit audience. It's people who love the story of the underdog because absolutely right. The nonprofit founders that I talked to 95% of them, something really crazy and awful happened in their lives. It could be, or to someone they love, you know, they were mm. sick or hurt or some sort of loss and they overcame it and they used that pain as fuel to create something that helps other people. Yeah. And, um, and the stories never get old. Do you ever get mm -mm. tired of your Never. I have become so inspired. Every single woman that I talk to, I, I walk away from it thinking, wow, what an incredible, incredible story that is, you know, how, yeah. how amazing is she? And it's just, it has really just driven me to want to do this more and more and more. You know, when I first started this, I really kind of started it on a dare. Somebody said, I oh, probably, <laughs> I said, you know, we need to tell stories of women more. And they're like, yeah, you should do that. I was like, I don't have time to do a podcast. Like I'm trying to run a whole right. company here. It has nothing to do with podcasts. And uh, so anyway, they're like, well, I mean, if you can't do it, you can't do it. I was like, of course I can do it. I'll do it. And but it probably episodes. becomes right. It probably forgive me for interrupting. It probably yeah. becomes um, your guilty pleasure during it the is. week because 
Yeah. It feels like so much to try because I understand in my world, trying to schedule it, trying to make it happen, yeah. trying to work all these things and make it all. And then after the conversation, I'm like, well, that was just like a shot in the arm. Like I yeah. feel so empowered yes. and inspired by the people that I meet. I absolutely it's the best. It really is. And I've gotten so much out of it. And I really just look forward to it now. And it's one of these things that it's just my passion project. You know, like it's just something right. I, I just wake up and love to do. Like I just love to do it. I feel so. the same way. I feel the same way. It's just a privilege to talk to great people and to yeah. and it's a privilege to share great people with the world, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Because they're, I, the media will tell you that they're not there. Mm -hmm. And you and I both know that there's more people than the great people than we have time to talk to. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. And, you know, I feel like the people, the media features is they're the ones who are the loudest, you know, the, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Right. And so those are the, they're, they're putting right. the same people out there saying the same things over and over. And I'm like, you know, there are different viewpoints in the world. <laughs> there, yes, there are, there are, there are. That and we I, can and to. our kids should be hearing, mm -hmm. you know, we grew up in a, in a generation where there was always heroes. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, time. whether it was Western, or it was mm -hmm. the family hero, whether it was the mom on the Cosby's or it was Carol Brady always. or whoever yeah. it was, there was always a hero. Mm -hmm. And um, and I don't see a lot of that. No, mm -mm. no. And I you have different. The movies are different now for kids. You know, you have movies like Mean Girls and you have movies. They're just not, yeah. it's not the same. It's just not it's the same. not the same. And so I feel that but heroes exist. People who overcome obstacles and and mm -hmm. take on to help other people. I mean, I meet them all the time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I, really they're do. there. You they're really there, do. and I just think that the world needs to pay a little bit more attention to them. So yes. hopefully, the TV show will come to your screen. Yes, and you'll get to I see love it. But, that's fantastic. Yeah, I think we that's will amazing. see. So yeah, tell me see. a little bit more about when you when you go out and you pitch a TV show to somebody. What does that look like? <sighs> it's you know what. It, it, so I I have to say I wrote the TV show first. I had a dream that I wrote the TV show and I wrote the TV show uh -huh. and I do live in LA and I did have a lot of neighbors that were you know kind of in the industry and I said hey how do you do this and like oh go to the Writers Guild website and log your idea and register it and whatever. So I you know I did all That's that so forever cool. ago, and then um. But then I didn't go like door to door. I didn't go pitch it. I would just kind of be at a party or talking to a friend's, you know, I could be at a school thing and say, oh, you know, so-and-so's dad is a producer. Oh, hey, you know, I have an idea. So I ended up getting, you know, meetings here and there and whatever. Yeah. And one of my friend, my son's um, friend's dad's, family friends of ours, um, he was CBS. And um, he said, hey, Heidi, I've got uh, he was running SEAL Team show at the time. And he said, I've oh, got cool. this. Um, yeah, I've got, I think you need to meet the the head of reality at CBS. And I said, yeah. oh, great. You know, I'd love, I'd love to meet this guy. And then, um, and then meanwhile, a friend of mine, um, a dear friend of mine said, calls me like two days later and says, hey, I just had lunch with a guy I went to kindergarten with and school with, and he's the head of reality at CBS and you got to meet him. I'm like, what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> So he set up this meeting and um, and then I called SEAL Team guy and I said, hey, I got this meeting with this this man. He created Survivor, Big Brother, Undercover Boss, America's Top Model. Um, you know, his name is Gen Maynard. He's 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 a pretty, you know, incredible yeah. guy. You got a meeting with Gen Maynard without me? And I'm like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so um anyway, Gen and I um worked on the project and then um and then Gen left CBS and Gen um 
when he left, he said, after he left, he said, you know, Heidi, I really, there's a couple of projects. He's like, I didn't, um, I'd like to take with me, you know, personally. And so, yeah. um, he said, you know, would you be willing to step aside from that to come with me? And so then COVID hit uh-huh. and, um, and so we are back at it again, ha- again is really incredible. And he and I become just great friends in the process. And I think when you are, um, trying to tell someone's story, especially potentially on television and especially mm-hmm. with nonprofits, helping people, it, you have to really trust the person. And and I'm not saying that people, uh, I haven't met, I don't know everybody in Hollywood. I know a lot of people, yeah. but I don't know. I don't know. But, but, but I have to say, I found someone I just completely trust. And so yeah. slow and steady wins a race. And um, it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen and when it's going to be right. And the world's changing a lot right now. Yeah. So um, we've kind of shifted gears in the way that we're going to do this, I think. And we'll see. That is I'm super, pretty excited about it. Super yeah. cool. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, I am so stay excited tuned. to watch it. could it. be a minute. But yeah, yeah, yeah I'm excited to watch it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I hope so, Angela. The world needs it. The world yes. needs it. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, we we definitely do. We definitely need some good positivity out there. Um, Amen. And, Amen. Yeah, so, well, so what advice would you give to your 18 year old self? I think I would. Um, my 18 year old self was a lot of fun, so I would oh. definitely say to keep having fun. I had a lot of fun good. at 18, and I think that I would. Um, I would say to you know keep smiling, keep believing in yourself. Yeah. You got this. Um, I didn't, I'm not really a worrier. So it wasn't that I worried, but mm-hmm. I think um, just self doubt that we all have as we're growing up. We always oh, yeah. think we have imposter syndrome. I think I would try to say, you know what? That's normal. Shake it off, fake it till yeah. you make it. You know, you'll get there. Yeah. 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 And, and, yeah, I would be 18 again, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and put on sunscreen. Put yes. on sunscreen and buy stock. <laughs> <laughs> buy stock. Yes. Thank buy you. Buy tech stock. Buy yeah. tech stock. <laughs> buy tech stock and hurry up and sell it in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> buy this buy this little company called <laughs> Apple. <laughs> yeah, Apple. Buy that stock. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> Um, okay. So, so here's another question I ask everybody. So as women, we often give our power away and that could, that could look like giving someone else credit for work that we've done or allowing someone to criticize us or cut us down and we don't really defend ourselves. So we just give our power away. And I think as women, it's because we feel like we are serving by being selfless. Um, but that's not always the best way to serve, right? Sometimes standing in your power is the best way to serve. So tell me about a time that you gave your power away and another time that you stepped into your power. Um, I would say that I gave my, when I was probably, I don't know, maybe I was 25 or 26. I was working, um, before I got in the software business, I worked in the hardware business. Talk about like stock you should have yeah, bought, right? right? So right. I was working for this, um, for this company that was, kind of like a like a, a Dell computer early. I mean, we're talking a long time ago. People yeah. that were making OEM and they're making their computers, you know, bringing them in from Taiwan and putting their their own name on them. Yeah. And um and so I was working in sales and marketing and it was a Taiwanese based company. All the employees were um from Taiwan except for me. Okay. And so I'm the only female, let alone uh-huh. the only American, American mm-hmm. female. So, and it was all fine and it was, and it was great and everything was lovely and respectful and terrific, but they decided to do an ad campaign 
for um, Comdex was coming, which used to be the huge computer, you know, software show back in the day. Okay. And they were doing a booth and they wanted to do all this marketing materials and everything. And they said, well, we want you to model. We want you to be our like our poster person. We want you to be our face. We want you to be everything. We, you know, yeah. And I just, it, I, I'm like, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm in doing your sales. I'm doing sales for the whole Western United States. Right, like, right. I'm not a model. Like, I'm just, I'm just selling. And they're like, no, no, no. Yeah. You need to be the person in the booth. And they kind of just pushed me into a space that I felt had no way out. And I d- wasn't comfortable in the space. I wasn't like the showroom girl that, you know, sat on yeah. the car or whatever. But that's right. kind of who they wanted me to be. Right. And um, and it was, I just remember feeling so, just having a horrible feeling in my stomach that this is not right. This does not sit well with me. Mm-hmm. I gave something away that I shouldn't be giving away. I shouldn't be sitting here and doing this and it just yeah. everything about it felt yicky right yeah totally get that totally yeah. get that yeah yeah young but you learn you learn you do learn you have you to do, do it in order to say eh, 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 eh. right right <laughs> and they're done that and it's not happening yes not happening <laughs> <laughs> awesome and then tell me about a time that you stepped into your power you know i think really um kind of like a little bit like i shared earlier is um as as spiritual care kind of happened. Um, I, I wasn't looking for starting a nonprofit. I wasn't yeah. looking to get up in front of hundreds of people and, and tell my story. I was still healing and grieving and, and reeling from everything and raising three little kids. And, mm-hmm. and yet it was my story and my story just really be, was part of the, the healing process that families go through at hospitals they were interwoven in a way that um, yeah. that felt right and comfortable, and and I had to own my story and own all of that in order to build the organization to help other people. And hmm. and I felt I felt a hundred percent fantastic about it. I, I struggled with it a little bit internally, and then once I yeah. stepped up, it just was off to the races. It was the right thing. That's it was awesome. the right thing. It was the right thing. That's yeah. fantastic. So yeah. what advice would you give to entrepreneurs who are looking to get involved with nonprofits? You know, I think a couple of things. I think if you're starting a nonprofit, like mm-hmm. I said earlier, look at who's around and see who can help right. first. That's right. number one. Um, not that you don't care and your passion isn't used and served. If you're just, and I don't mean just an entrepreneur. Right, I right. I mean just. Right, um, right. But if you started a business, I think one thing that people... Um, and I come from a marketing background, people don't always think about is, oh, I own, you know, a, a knitting company and I right. make yarn. What am I, what can I do? Well, right. oh my gosh, you know, there's people that need scarves and hats and what mm-hmm. there's so many ways you can do cause marketing with your entrepreneurial business. And what nonprofits do beautifully and what businesses do is they build a community, they build mm-hmm. an audience, they build a group. When you authentically align with a business and your yarn company is authentically picking the, you know, the cancer ward of Children's Hospital to knit caps for the kids, mm-hmm. because yeah. that then there's a win-win-win for everybody. Absolutely. And, and there are businesses that try to use philanthropy and nonprofits um, to their advantage. And I think customers are smarter than that. I think they mm. see through it. Mm-hmm. But I do challenge anyone listening that has a business to think about how can they, what can they do 
to connect a cause to what they do and what it does for their morale. Also, if they bring their employees in to do it, I mean, it can really change a workplace. Um, If you want to do something fantastic for your employees, get them together to do some great service. That'll absolutely a game changer. Yeah. We actually started, you know, my, my company provides security and event staff. So the vast majority of my employees are part-time variable hour, you know, they're not full-time. And so paid time off is a factor because they're not really, you know, they're not, they're not full-time benefit uh, employees. But what we started to do is once you've worked X amount of hours, we'll give you, you know, so many hours to go volunteer somewhere and and serve your community. And we'll pay you for that Mm -hmm. time that you're doing that. And that way, that. you know, people still feel like they have the opportunity to serve their community, but they're not losing money from their hourly job because, you know, unfortunately with, with corporations, they'll give you, Hey, let's go do a service day. Right. You right. Know, with an hourly company, we don't necessarily have um, that, but we want to pay them for their time regardless. So, you know, we want to encourage that service in your community because it is so important. I love that. I have a friend, my my son's really involved with a nonprofit called Once um, Upon a Room, and he started when he was in yeah. high school. They do extreme hospital room makeovers for seriously ill children. Wow. So um, they were in People Magazine actually just a couple of weeks ago, and cool. um, they've become, they're all over the country now. They've really expanded, and it's incredible. But I have a friend um, who owns a company called Tangram Furniture, mm-hmm. and he's so philanthropic. And he doesn't, these hospital rooms don't put furniture. They just come in with bedding and stickers and toys and but it looks nothing like a hospital room by the time that they leave so yeah. i reached out to my friend at tangram and i said hey joe you know the orange county chapter where, where they're based you know your you guys your team is so philanthropic and they're so great and yeah. you guys do you transform spaces it feels like it would align with your mission if you guys ever if you ever thought about sponsoring you know a room and your team wanted to go in and do a room or a floor or a couple things at Children's Hospital in Orange County, Los mm-hmm. Angeles, Southern California, I think it'd be great. Oh, yeah. Heidi, we've got so much to do. We would do so much. And I go, I know you do, but I'm just throwing it out there. Next thing I know, I get a call from the, the founder of Once Upon a Room. She's like, oh, my God, who are these people? They're so incredible. This company just came in and they just did a whole floor and they did all these rooms and they wow. changed all these kids' lives. You know, and Joe reached out to me. Oh, my gosh, cool. my employees are in love with this, Heidi. Thank you. And so there's just so many different ways to think about whatever you do, there's a cause that aligns there with it. There is, there is. And, you know, we, I, at the end of the year, I try to break down like, okay, if we're going to, we're, we're going to make donations. We always make donations at the end of the year. And, you know, how do you pick your charities? And it's so hard. And so we really hard. do try, you know, for us being a local small business, we want to support other local small nonprofits. 100%. And so um, we really do go down that route. So bravo. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Because I mean, I know the big national charities, they're, they're huge huge and they're doing incredible things. And I don't want to discount what they're doing, but I also know what a struggle it is as a small business to get yeah. that, get your name out there. So we pick three local small nonprofits. So good. Yeah. So good. I love that. And they need it. They yes, need it. Absolutely. They do. So one more question. I've really, really, really enjoyed this, by the way. I'm so excited. We Thank had a chance Angel, to talk so today. So what do you wish more people knew? I wish more people knew how good people really are. Yes. I yeah. wish people really realized how much goodness is out there. How many people like angels who walk among us every day that we don't even know. Mm-hmm. And I think if we turn on the news and we get so discouraged and we just think, oh, my God, the world's just going to hell in a handbag and what's mm-hmm. happening. And, yeah. and yes, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening out there for sure. But. 
I think if we we can collectively make a choice to focus on the good and the positive, and we can create an upward positive trajectory from that. And I think it all starts with conversations like these, just, you know, talking to people about their stories and sharing them. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I think pe- there's more good in the world than evil. You know, we 100%. only hear about the evil sometimes, but there yep. is so much more good. And, 100%. Uh, yeah. If we could just focus on that, I think the whole world would be different. Amen. 100%. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Heidi. I really appreciate all of your time tonight. You have just been an amazing guest and um, I am really um, excited for everything that you're doing. And I will absolutely be watching the television show when it comes out. Oh, well, so you'll have to let me know. Well, thank you for putting that out there in the in the universe, Angela. Yes, and I it's really happening. enjoyed this conversation. And thank you for what you're doing to just shine a light on, on women that are doing great work. I'm just, I'm honored just to, to be included in the list, but um, I think it's so important what you're doing. So bravo to you. Bravo. Thank you so much. So thank you, Heidi Johnson. If you want to find her, she can be found at uh, prettypowerfulpodcast.com and find all the information about Heidi Johnson and all of the amazing work that she is doing. So thank you again, Heidi. I have really, really enjoyed this conversation and look forward to so many amazing things that you're doing. Thanks, Angela. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining our guests on the Pretty Powerful Podcast. And we hope you've gained new insight and learned from exceptional women. Remember to subscribe or check out this and all episodes on prettypowerfulpodcast.com. Visit us next time. And until then, step into your own power.